0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's so good to be with my family here, Redemption Gateway. I, I have to say, even though he's not here, I feel like we need to give a hand to Luke for all of the good work he's doing across the state of Arizona. You have, I'm gonna tell you, you have an incredible pastor here, and your whole team is you're you're blessed. And and I hope that you continue to pray for him as he takes on leadership. That is impacting so many churches and uh, what a blessing it is to have a, a vision of the kingdom that is broader than just one place but continues to be reaching. So thankful to be a part of this church. I also love that we unify around scripture. I love that we get to study books of the Bible and go through the same text across all the congregations. Right now as we're reading John 10 There's thousands of people across the state of Arizona reading John 10. And I have thoroughly enjoyed John. The book of John has been my favorite. Now, I I will admit, I get accused all the time of everything being my favorite. I'm just that guy, right? When I'm in it, it's my favorite. And so I'm just telling you, this is my favorite until we get to the next book. But right now... This is my favorite. I have really loved John. And the reason why is because John had a close relationship with Jesus. He was known for being close to Jesus, and he's actually known by all theologians as writing in such a way that's different than the synoptics. He writes in a way that feels like we are getting a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the life of Jesus. And it's meant to do something. It's meant to draw you, the reader, closer to Jesus. You should feel invited. You should feel like you are being brought near to Jesus, and you are being shown secret conversations, and and things that Jesus is doing in the world, and we get to, as his followers, feel like we're being brought closer. Now, if you're just reading a text like this today, it would be like walking in at the end of an argument, and you really not understand what are they arguing about, right? So if this is your first time with us, this could feel awkward. You're like, where are we at? So I got to get you you caught up on the argument so you can know what's taking place Jesus was rising in popularity he was healing people people were following he's feeding thousands of people they're crossing river, uh, uh, seas to go see him and he said something that caused the whole crowd to walk away from him he said you got to eat of my body and drink of my blood and 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 all the crowd walked away from him. Now, it wasn't just that he's losing popularity. And I know we love to serve a popular Jesus, and we think it's our job to make him popular. But it would be a nightmare to be Jesus's PR manager because he constantly is saying things and doing things that pushes crowds away and makes self-righteous people upset. He's constantly making them upset, and not only did they walk away, he goes into a basically three-chapter argument with self-righteous people where it always ends up them trying to kill him. And then he, at the beginning of chapter 10, calls them out for being false shepherds. I think John loves the book of Ezekiel. He constantly is referencing the book of Ezekiel. If you want to study Ezekiel 34, I'm telling you, it is God firing false shepherds. And this is what John is doing here. He's showing what Jesus is saying to these religious leaders. He's basically saying, you're fired. The shepherd's here. I'm the shepherd. You've been bad shepherds. You're fired. And listen, I know being a shepherd is difficult. I am one. And I could talk about how messy you all are. I could talk about how lazy you are, how nasty you can be, and and you could be straight out nasty. I could talk about how wandering you are and how hurt you are and how messy things are. But I'm going to tell you this. I believe God is more serious about confronting bad shepherds than he is about having wandering, hurting, and messy sheep. God loves his sheep, and he continues to show his love for his sheep by doing this, holding bad shepherds accountable. And the reality is that there is many that Jesus is confronting, self-righteous shepherds. And I believe the American church should hear once again, John chapter 10, there are many hurting and broken people, but God is serious about confronting people who have made the church about being a celebrity rather than about pastoring his people. God loves his sheep and he's good at confronting false shepherds. And this is a continued argument. He confronts them, says, I'm the shepherd. These are my sheep. Y'all are fired. They didn't like being fired. And this is where you catch in on the argument. Verse 24 says this. How long, this is what they say back to him. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly and here's Jesus's response to them I've told you here's the thing you have to understand about communication when people get into communication kind of squabbles what they'll what they'll say to you is if you would just say it better I would understand it better they've been in constant back and forths, and now they're telling the best communicator ever that he's not communicating that well. (laughs) That he's being cryptic and they can't understand. If you would just speak plain to me. But Jesus says something back. He says, I have told you and you can't believe. You don't believe and here's the reason why. You're not my sheep. I I want you to hear this Believing in God is never just about what he says. It's never just about it. When you believe someone, it's never just based upon how good they articulate. You see, as we have walked through a very strenuous year, we have watched people pick apart other people's words, pick apart their pastor's words, and pick apart everybody's words. And if you could just say it plainly, just be honest. It's never just about articulation. And Jesus says, you can't hear me. And it's not because I'm not articulating well. It's because you don't trust me. You're not mine. Have you ever met somebody who you just think in your mind is smart? So everything they say must be smart. And even if on the off chance, they say something really dumb, you think it's incredibly smart. Why? Because you think they're smart. Have you ever met somebody who just jokes all the time? I get accused of this often. And I'll say something serious and people are trying to figure out, is he joking or is he serious? Why? Because communication is never just about what you say. It's about who you are and about if they know you. And when people start picking apart words and try to get you to articulate better, it's never just about they want to understand. They want to blame the communicator and Jesus won't allow them to do it because he says you can't hear me cuz you don't know me if you knew me you would hear beyond articulation and you would hear what my sheep know my what my words no my voice My sheep know my voice. Church, self-righteous people want to blame articulation. But when you have a shepherd, you never just pick apart the words. You have to know their heart, and you have to know their voice, and you have to trust, because if you do, what you'll see and what you'll understand is hearing is based upon being his. And knowing him. And following him. And once you know him. And once you are his. And you're following him. Whatever he says is brilliant. Because it's his word. His word is rooted in who he is. When you know him you hear him. When you don't know him, you can never hear him. You'll just keep saying, say it again. Can you articulate it better? I can't understand. And what Jesus does not do here is fall into the trap of the self-righteous because what we think is it's all about us understanding or all about articulation and all about our ability to hear when it's all about his ability to make us his, to let us know him and to have us follow him. And when that takes place, he does something else. Look at verse 28 through 30. But before we read verse 28 through 30. I want you to look at your hands. Put your hands in front of you and look at your hands. You're like, preacher, this is weird. This won't be the weirdest thing I do today. So just so you know. (laughs) Look at your hands because I want you to see a visual of what I want you to notice in the text. And here's the reason why. Because I think John emphasizes the word hands in this text over and over again. Look at the hands God's created for you. Look at the hands God's given to you. Look at the hands that has a very unique fingerprint that's very distinct. Look at the hands in which he's given to you to do work. These hands get highlighted in the text. He says, I give eternal life and none will perish and none will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one will snatch them out of my who my father's hand He says, I and my father are one. Here's what he's saying. Not only do my sheep hear me because they know me, they hear me because they're mine and I have them in my hands and God's taken and put the father's hands on top and says, my hands and his hands are one. No one can take from me who's mine. Because being his sheep means you're secure. Means you didn't come into the fold because you were smarter and could understand better than everybody else. You didn't come into the fold because you earned it with your own hands. You didn't come into the fold because you could keep yourself by being better. You didn't earn it, it's a gift. You didn't keep it, he protects it. You don't finish it, he completes it. We are in the hands of Jesus and the Father, and they are one. And self righteous people can't take it from you. Because here's what self righteous people try to do they try to do what they did for Jesus, they try to convince Jesus that. He is not who he says he is and that him and the father are not one. They spend all of the argument trying to separate Jesus from the father and Jesus stands in the face of self-righteousness and says, you didn't give it to me. You can't take it away from me jesus refuses to be known apart from his father and no matter what they do he cannot sep- they cannot separate them from the father and he guarantees that same relationship to his sheep in the midst of self-righteous argument not only will they critique articulation and try to to try to convince you of this you're not his you're not in his hands Self-righteous people try to separate you from the Father. They didn't give it to you. They can't take it away from you. Sheep know this. I'm not here because I'm smarter than everybody else. I've been captured by grace. I can't keep it because I can articulate it better than everybody else. He's protecting me. And I can't complete it. Because I'm stronger than everybody else, He's completed it. What I love about Jesus' stand in front of these is that He and the Father are one, and He boldly declares His security in the Father by showing them whose hands his sheep are in. Look at your hands. Verse 31 says, They use their hands to pick up stones. Jesus says, my sheep are in my hands. They go, look what's in my hand. Here's the thing you have to know. When self-righteous people use arguments of clarity to try to say, if you just say it differently, maybe I'll understand. They're not actually wanting to understand. They want ammo. They want to throw, they want to trap you so they can say, see? And justify them killing you. Jesus knows that he's not talking to people who want clarity. He's talking people who want ammo. They're trying to trap him. And they pick up a stone. And I wish we could spend time doing this, but I encourage you to study verses 32 through 38. There's so much richness there. But this time, Jesus does not run when they pick up stones. You remember at the end of chapter eight, they picked up stones and he ran. This time he does not run, but he stands in the face. And the reason he doesn't run, Jesus keeps repeating it. You can't take my life. I'm giving it. He knows they can pick up stones. They can do what they want. It's not going to be given until he gives his life. But he says something very important to them. Here's what he says. He says, why are you going to throw stones at me? What have I done? You haven't done anything. You're just blasphemous. You haven't done anything wrong. You're just blasphemous. And he says, Here's what your scriptures say. And you say these things, but you're going to stone me for what you think I'm being blasphemous about, but you've been doing and saying the same things for all of this time. Isn't it amazing that self-righteous argument always overlooks their inconsistencies and points out what they think is blasphemy. They never look at the log in their own eye. They're always looking at the speck in others. And here's Jesus without no spot, without no wrinkle. And they're accusing him of blasphemy. And Jesus says, look at your inconsistencies. Self-righteousness makes you blind to your own log. And it makes you very aware of everybody else's because you have to see their speck to make yourself feel righteous. You have to. You have to point out their quote-unquote blasphemy to make yourself feel better about your standing before God. Jesus didn't run, but he did point out their inconsistency. Before we close, I want you once again to look at your hands. And while you keep your hands in front of your face and you see your hands, I want us to put on the screen verse 39. And it says this, and again, they sought to arrest him. But he escaped their hands. He escaped their hands. Here is Jesus telling them what he does with his hands to his sheep while he's escaping their hands as they seek to kill him and arrest him. There is a big emphasis on hands. And the reason why I wanted us to look at our hands today is because I want us to ponder whose hands do you trust for your righteousness Whose hands do you trust? Your ability to climb your way up, to work your way up, to understand, to, to really get it and everybody else doesn't. Do you trust yourself and your hands and the works of your hands? Or do you know that if you had to trust these hands, you would try to kill the Savior of the world? you would pick up stones. Jesus escapes the hands of self-righteous people, but he rests in the hands of his father. When I think of the imagery of this text, I think of how often the people of God continue to trust the works of their hands, continue to trust their own abilities. But all they're doing is fashioning idols and rejecting the righteousness of God. I've heard a lot of boasting in self. I've heard a lot of people trying to convince us and others that because we don't hear right, or articulate right, or believe right, or have the right thing. That's the whole reason that because we don't have it right, we don't know God. You're preaching a false gospel by putting the dependence of the people of God upon their abilities. The only reason I can rest is I'm in His hands. He has captured me. He has secured me. He has uh, given me the ability to hear if I hear anything. It's because I know him. Yes. Church, we must reject and throw down the stones in our hands. He who has no sin, we studied Cast the first stone. When we hear that, we got to throw the stones down. Stop trusting in the works of our hands and find our rest in the hands of a good shepherd. Because there, you're known. He knows your name. You're not just a number. You're a name. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows that nothing can separate you from him. He knows that it's not based upon your abilities. He knows the price that he's paid. He knows that he's going to lay down his life for his sheep. He knows that his work is sufficient. Rest in his hands. Because the question today is are you resting in his hands or is he escaping from yours? Because you can't catch him. Rest. So we go to communion today. As I was studying this text, my eyes were opened up to the word hands and I was just reading a Psalm yesterday and I thought I'd close with this. Psalm 63, eight. David says this. I cling to you and your hands keep me safe. I cling to you And your hands keep me safe. David is being attacked by enemies and self-righteous people. And in the midst of this Psalm 63, he says, I cling to you. My wife says it this way, and I just stole it. She said, I need Jesus so bad, I just dig my nails into him. I can't go anywhere. I need him. I just picture David saying, if anything's going to be in my hands, it's going to be clinging to Jesus. But the good news is, it's not even built on my ability to cling. While he, while I'm clinging to him, he's clinging to me. And in David's psalm, he says, I'm holding you, you're holding me. In the face of a good shepherd, he reaches out his hand and said, my sheep are in my hands. Instead of clinging to his hand, they pick up stones. The same invitation is to you. Will you trust his voice? Will you trust his hand? And as he reaches it out, drop the stones and cling to him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we gather as your children and thank you for the way your spirit has worked in us and kept us. We admit that we can be very self-righteous. We admit that we could trust the works of our own hands, but today we drop all of the stones. We drop our own righteousness and we reject it because it's not going to save us. It's not going to bring life. Only you, the good shepherd, can hold us. Redemption Church is not built upon our abilities. It's built upon your work in us. And so we declare boldly. And we want to rest in your hands. And it's there that we find our identity and our security. We say these things in Jesus' name. And the church said.